Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Hybrid Theory, a podcast dedicated to bringing a new level of cinematic style and immersion to your tabletop role-playing experience. My name's Hugh Rot Johansson, and I look forward to discussing topics with the intent of inspiring you with something novel or something different to share with your gaming group at your gaming table. So sit back, relax, and let's go ahead and get started. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Today, what I wanted to do is continue my series on hybridizing the 5e game from a director's point of view, and specifically discuss the implementation of the ETA gaming engine within the 5e game. Now, the ETA gaming engine is a fundamental element to the hybrid role-playing game system, and while there are four other gaming engines in the system, the real reason those four engines exist is actually to support the ETA gaming engine. Theoretically, you could use the E-Take Gaming Engine and Coin Flips to run any role-playing game. And in and of itself, it is a core metagaming mechanic. And the reason I developed the E-Take Gaming Engine was twofold. First, I wanted to create a heroic experience. To me, a role-playing game is not just a board game, but rather it's a chance to reflect that ability to be a hero that's in all of us that our current everyday life doesn't allow us to experience. In everyday life, we go to work, we have our jobs, we do the things that we do, and then we come home. So that chance to live out the life of a hero is an element that's a core element that's missing to us as human beings. Um, I'd refer you to The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell if you wanted to read a little bit more about that. But that's a book that basically, after reading that book, it inspired me to change fundamentally the way that I played and direct tabletop role-playing games. The other reason I created it was because I wanted players to stop thinking in terms of mechanics when they created their characters and when they played their characters. I wanted to create an immersive game world and... I wanted to get away from the focus on the mechanics when creating and playing a character and kind of reshift that focus towards interacting with the game world, exploring the game world, interacting with the non-player characters, things that you can't do in a video game or things that you can't do in a board game. Those are the things that make tabletop role-playing games unique. It separates them. If you wanted to play a video game and do the stats, you can go do that. Or a board game. You could play a board game. But I didn't want the tabletop role-playing games that I directed to become just another board game, just another strategy game. That being said, I understood that many people are drawn to role-playing games for that very reason. So what I wanted to do was allow my players to have that underlying crunchiness of a mechanic but to reflect the crunchiness of the mechanic, not by saying how many hit points have you taken, what's your savings throw, things like that. I wanted him to say, wow, I'm going to pound him for this much or as I slice into his head for this much damage, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to create an immersive environment that shifted the focus away from mechanics while still allowing the player characters to enjoy the crunchiness of the mechanics. So keeping this in mind, you might ask yourself, why am I bringing up the ETA gaming engine again? And the answer is twofold. First of all, because this is a series on focusing on the directors rather than the players. Rather than describing the rule itself and how it works, I want to focus on how the director views ETA. And of course, that 
point of view is different because the director does not get any ETA for their non-player characters unless there's a negative point. And the director is the one that has to adjudicate the results of the ETA. So there's definitely a different point of view worth discussing. The second impetus for this episode is that I currently find myself having changed my roles in the group that I'm currently playing in. In this 5E group, I've been the director for over a year and a half. But for various reasons, I've been blessed with the ability to get to play instead of direct. And in this game, the director is not using the ETA gaming engine. And I've noticed very, very, very clearly the difference in the way that the 5E game feels with and without the ETA gaming engine. And after the game sessions, I always find myself wondering why isn't he using it? Now, every director, you know, directs the rules of engagement at their table. They direct the genre, and that, that, that's up to their, 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 their flavor. I mean, that's why there's different directors. But what got me thinking was the fact that this is very similar in a way to my own working world. In the working world, what ends up happening is whenever I want to implement something, I run into barriers of implementation. And if you take away the technical barriers of implementation and the resources required to implement, the other set of barriers are acceptance barriers with the people that need to implement that you need to implement the system with. People that are using a current system are comfortable with that system. They're used to the bumps and the flaws in that system and they know their ways around it. And when someone comes along with a newfangled system, there's going to be a barrier to acceptance and implementation in that system. And I realized that with my experience in my current gaming group and my experience in the outside world that there might be barriers to implementation within your own game as a director. Perhaps you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering, how do I implement it? And if I implement it, how do I get it from getting out of control? If this is such a metagame thing, how do I control the metagaming to keep it within the genre that we all agreed to play within when we started this game? So with the preliminaries out of the way, let's begin our discussion. And what I wanted to talk about today is the actual implementation of the ETA gaming engine within your game. Now, just like any implementation of any system, as an implementer, as a director, as a project manager, what we end up having to do is to determine how we're going to implement it, right? You can implement basically one of two ways. You can either implement it in a phase-like or step-like fashion, or you could introduce it full system all at once. And to choose one of these methodologies, what you'll want to do is take a look at the gaming system that you're currently using and compare it to the way that the ETA gaming engine works. Now, when looking at the ETA gaming engine in this light, what you'll see is that the ETA gaming engine allows metagaming in one of three ways. The first of these is to affect task outcomes. And this is a very mechanical way to use ETA. The second of these is to affect character conditions. When using it this way, it can be either mechanical because it can be used to stop a condition or it can be used in a story-like fashion to change the way a condition works in a story-like fashion. Finally, the third way you can use ETA is solely a story-based methodology making things happen where you actually have events occur in the environment. And so you basically have 
a scale from mechanical to story-driven with something in the middle. And you can compare the system that you're currently using with these different ways of using ETay and figure out how you want to use it in your game. So let's look at a couple of examples of how we can do this. Let's look at a highly story-driven system like Fudge or Fate. Now in that system, there is already a system in place very similar to the ETay gaming engine, the Fudge Point system or the Fade Point system. And these are very story-driven, but can go towards the mechanical way of doing it. But you can actually overlay the ETA Gaming Engine on top of this to allow you to maintain a campaign consistency, but adjust the overall feel of the game for your particular gaming group when you're directing the game versus when someone else is directing the game. If someone else wants to direct the same game but they don't want to have that level of heroism, they don't have to change the e the fudge or the fate gaming system at all. They just don't implement the ETA gaming engine. Whereas if you want to escalate it, then you can implement the ETA gaming engine on top of it to kick things up a couple of notches. Now when you do this, to a, when you implement this system for such a group, a group that is very, very similar with this metagaming methodology, then you can go ahead with a full-scale implementation of the ETA gaming engine, and it will be just another system that's added to it, and you're done. Another system that has a metagaming system is known as the Savage World system. And in that system, you have dice that up that increase or decrease depending on how you spend your points in the Savage system, your heroic points in that system as well. And in that particular case, those players will also be familiar with a metagaming mechanic that is both mechanic and story-driven in nature. So again, you can do a full-scale implementation of the ETA gaming engine with that gaming group. The real trick becomes implementing the system in groups that use game systems or with players that are not familiar with systems that allow metagaming in general. Or the metagaming mechanic that's introduced in the system is very mechanical in nature. And 5e is one of these systems. And so for the rest of this episode, let's just focus on 5e with the understanding that the way that we implement the ETA gaming engine in 5e can be implemented in other systems that are very mechanical or do have a mechanical metagaming system built into them. Now the 5e game does have some metagaming built into the system. For instance, there are sorcery points, there are key points, there is inspiration, bardic inspiration, and there are a number of roguelike abilities that allow this as well. So the concept of metagaming actually exists within the game. However, it has a very mechanical flavor to it because you're doing things like adding points to dice rolls or you're re-rolling the dice or you're adding advantage or you're doing things that have a very mechanical flavor to them. And as a result, if you want to implement the concept of the ETA gaming engine, if you were to implement a full story use of ETA to these players who are not familiar with it, 
there is going to be a high barrier to entry. On the other hand, if you just do a phase-like approach and start with the more mechanical methodology for task roles and comparing it with the other abilities that characters have that are similar, then what you can do is say, hey, this is like all these other special abilities, but it's a general pool of points that everybody gets. So they're not class specific. What that does is that takes the emphasis off of class and puts an emphasis on the player's agency while not disrupting the paradigm or the importance of character class and character abilities that these players already have in their minds. You're not threatening their paradigm. You're just adding another cool ability. Since adding cool abilities and giving characters cool abilities is what the focus is for a lot of these players, those players are going to more readily try something because anything that makes me more powerful will give me more enjoyment to my game. On the other hand, if you have story-driven players within your group, then they're going to be very, very, very easy to introduce this to. And so you can start very, very small by introducing this special ability to your player characters. Now, what if, as a director, you have some concerns that this is going to get out of control? Well, what you can do is you can implement it very, very slowly. You can either say everybody gets set number of points over the lifetime of their character and explain it as you go. Or what you can do is you can actually use these as a reward to the player characters and increase their engagement of their of the game while at the same time introducing the system. The way that we do it in our current game is at the beginning of every game session, we'll do a recap. But rather than me providing the recap, what I'll do is I'll ask the player characters Two, specifically tell me three badass heroic things they did in the previous game session. If they did not do three badass games, if it was a role-playing thing or something like that, then they can, and they can't think of one, then I'll allow the other player characters to chime in and help them. And this creates a feeling of camaraderie with the players as everybody struggles to think of something really cool that the character did in that game session. What this also does is it motivates players to do more stuff. Instead of saying, I wait, or I do this, they're going to look for things during their spotlight time that really stand out and that will kind of gently reinforce heroic action because they know that if they have three badass things, they'll get to rehash those badass things and they'll get rewarded with a point of ite, a new special ability for their character every game session. Boom. Now you've had an implementation in a way that the players that are familiar with the character ability mechanical paradigm can accept. And what you do is you limit the ite ability specifically to the task role mechanical paradigm with which they are familiar. Another thing you can do, in addition to having your recap time and revamping the way that you do your recaps by having the characters describe what they did themselves, is you can have them write a journal from their character's point of view. And it's got to be one paragraph, and then they can share it with the player characters. As a director, if you're playing in live time, you can put them on the wall in your gaming room, in your basement, or whatever, your den, or whatever. Or if it's virtual, like we use the Roll20 virtual tabletop, we actually have the players post them within the virtual tabletop or within our Discord channel, and then we move it to our virtual tabletop. And by doing this, 
we all award the player another point of vitae. So theoretically, by engaging in the story instead of worrying about your character abilities, you can gain two points of this mechanical ite. And for players that are used to that mechanical paradigm, this is a major reward that you're giving them for engagement and immersion within the game. And that is a great way to introduce ite in a phase-like fashion. Then, once you've done that, you can say, okay, well, you've had this. Let's introduce another methodology. And you can introduce the character condition methodology. You can first introduce it as a way of extending the task role methodology, but you can also say, hey, you failed your savings throw, you can use it to make the savings throw a success. In essence, they're doing the same thing as hybrid where you're canceling a condition, but they're doing it in a mechanical way with which they are familiar. Once they're familiar with that, then you can start changing conditions. You can say things like, well, they got a critical success or you got a critical failure on your savings throw. It's going to require a point of ite just to turn the critical failure into a failure and another point of ite to turn the failure into a success. And then they can do it that way. Or maybe you could spend a point of ite and describe how you can avoid having to do the savings throw at all. Now you've taken the mechanical methodology at that critical failure point and you've said, well, instead of using the mechanical way, let's try a non-mechanical way. Instead of failing the critical failure, let's just take it back a step to the beginning of the spotlight time. And why don't you tell me what you're going to do to avoid having to make the savings throw altogether? And now the player's like, oh, this gave me a second chance. This is a different way of using ite that I've never used before. And then they can, you can have that story-driven methodology introduced to a player character that got a critical failure on the task roll. Now you've slowly kicked up a notch towards your full implementation of the ite gaming engine. Now, you've gone through two different phases, your mechanical phase and your conditional phase. And all that remains is to, introduce, is to introduce that third phase of the engine. And that's going to be the great leap of faith. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have the trust of your players. And you're going to want to discuss that. So you really don't want to implement that third final step leap of faith with these players until you're sure that these other two methodologies are well established. And this will take time. And getting to know your players at the table and seeing how they use the ETA at the table and their acceptance when you make suggestions to guide the time to introduce the third and final step of the ETA gaming engine. So keeping these in your back pocket, go ahead and reach out to me if you have any other questions or you want some other ideas for implementing the ETA gaming engine in your game. In my next episode, what I'm going to do is shift the focus. I'm still going to talk about the ETA Gaming Engine as a director, but what I'm going to do is shift the focus to adjudicating story-driven uses of ETA. We've already talked about how the use of ETA as a task role modifier or a condition alterer can be strongly mechanical in nature. But this third use, this story-driven use of ETA, is ultimately the big, big step when implementing the ETA gaming engine as a director. And because it's such a big step, what I thought I would do is next episode, talk about ways that you can adjudicate it when you first start out using that third step of making it happen as a game director and learn to enjoy it. And instead of being nervous or concerned about it, 
really embracing it and making it your own and really, really, really bringing the game to the level of immersion that you want to bring it to. So until then, everyone, take care. I look forward to talking to you soon. And with that, we come to the end of another podcast episode. I'd like to thank everyone sincerely for taking the time to listen. And I hope this brought something to you that you can take back to your gaming to enrich your own gaming experience, kick up the level of cinematic awesomeness, kick up the level of immersion, and to make the game your own. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook, find Huge Rot Johansson, double A's in my first name, double A's in the last name. You can also find us on Twitter at, at HybridRPG. And you can also reach us via email at hybrid.etagamingengine at gmail.com. Until next time, everybody have fun, stay safe, and keep a point of ETA in your back pocket so you're always ready to make it happen. See you around the gaming table.